Hello there, this is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris in San Francisco, joined by my colleague Jonathan Armstrong in the UK. We're bringing you now the beginning of our second century of podcasts. As you might recall, our last podcast was number 100, and we were blessed by having the chairman of our firm, John Sirocco, with us as we looked back on our first 100 podcasts, and now we're on to our next 100 as we work our way up toward 1,000. True or not? <laughs> yes, it is true. And uh, Jonathan, I know you want to kick off this century, second century podcast uh, with a thought or two about the world's supposedly favorite airline and slogan? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, and thanks very much. I hope you're all not um, uh, hungover after the uh, after the hundredth, either uh, mentally or uh, physically. And uh, yeah, I was interested in the news that's breaking over here in the UK at the moment about British Airways and its social media strategy. Now, of course, British Airways aren't the first or the last to have got caught out with social media. But for those of you who are not familiar with the story, you may be aware of the fact that some airlines are particularly difficult to get hold of once things start to go wrong. They're generally fine with taking your bookings, but if, as in this case, you happen to lose your luggage or an elderly relative loses their luggage, they're quite hard to get hold of. And that's what happened in this case. The individual concerned was inquiring about a relative's lost luggage and didn't seem to be able, he said, to get British Airways' attention in any other way than to take out a sponsored tweet and say in, um, well, terms of less than 140 characters that he wasn't satisfied with BA's service and effectively tried to discourage people from booking flights with them. Now, that campaign seemed to go around Twitter, um, and but then British Airways replied to him and said that they were happy to help. There's then been a Twitter exchange as he's asked them why they weren't prepared to help before, and they've said they may be the world's favorite airline, but they only reply to social media messages during UK office hours. Now, that uh, in itself seems to have aggravated those who are complaining about their services, saying that an airline of that size should have a 24-7-365 service, as indeed I know from personal experience other airlines and rail companies do. I personally have used Twitter myself when I've not been able to get hold of organizations through conventional channels. I know, for example, uh, East Midlands Trains, a rail company here in the UK, uh, have provided me with some pretty good service outside of their normal office hours when trains have been delayed and so on. And obviously we know that social media can be an unforgiving beast when people think that they have had their complaint not handled well or have been unable to complain through conventional channels. We know, of course, as well, that activists have used um, Twitter to try and uh, dismantle a company's reputation. Uh, BP, for example, British Petroleum, being one of the 
biggest victims there, but there's maybe six or seven or more uh, well-known cases where fake Twitter accounts have been set up and have got more followers than the uh, official approved account. And it seemed to me, Eric, that a lot of corporations are now ever vigilant about domain names being registered, but they forget things like Twitter handles and they forget things like um, the damage that promoted messages can do for relatively little money. And I wonder if this case is a bit of a wake-up call for corporations that they need to take social media much more seriously. Do you have views, Eric? Oh, I do. And I, actually, I was thinking the words wake-up call right before you said them. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, over the course of 101 podcasts, our minds have now melted, which is, I don't know if our wives will appreciate that. But um, I agree completely, and it makes me wish that once upon a time, uh, I could have taken some steps along these lines. I, I once arrived in Rome with my young family at the time about a decade ago uh, on Christmas Eve, and our luggage did not arrive. And uh, we tried to pursue uh, getting our luggage through conventional means at the time. This was you know, pre-Twitter you know, accessibility, as you described. Mm. And you know, we would once in a while get a phone message back explaining, you know, your bags are coming, your bags are coming. And uh, it was, you know, as I say, it was Christmas time, and we, we don't think of Rome as cold, but it was cold. And we didn't have our jackets and our gloves and our hats, but we didn't want to go out and buy, you know, new apparel because we kept being promised that our suitcases were coming relatively mm -hmm. soon. It took five days, um, and they actually arrived just as we were leaving to go down toward the Amalfi Coast. But um, I think, you know, as you explained, that when people are upset like I just described and has happened in your particular case, uh, social media will become um, an avenue that people pursue, and it really can come back to bite companies if they're not being uh, customer-friendly and vigilant in protecting the rights uh, of, of their customers. I think it is indeed a wake-up call, as you point out. The other form of attack I've seen recently, I don't know whether you've seen this, which I think is pretty disturbing, is... Um, a um, well-known uh, comedic figure in the UK has uh, a mythical figure called Alan Partridge recently launched a, um, a film. So there's now a blockbuster film featuring this uh, Alan Partridge comic character. You just, if you're not familiar with the character, go to YouTube. And a, um, an individual or individuals seem to have set up a fake Alan Partridge Twitter account and at the height of popularity of this film, uh, when the, the film was sort of launching nationwide, they suddenly switched the uh, account from being a sort of Alan Partridge fan site to something, let's just say, of much less savoury character, promoting uh, online gaming and other things. And I wonder if we're also going to see more hijacking of uh, identities of celebrities and comedy characters, films uh, and corporations by these uh, nefarious individuals who inhabit the nether worlds of social media as well. Um, I, I guess it's all food for thought, isn't it? And it's just, uh, as, as we've said, a wake-up call to corporations to have a proper strategy and to be prepared to act very quickly and even outside their usual office hours as well. 
Well, that's for um, sure. No, no more tea time over there in the UK. No. <laughs> I mean, as you point, I mean, everything and anything is possible. And Jonathan, Jonathan, if you can imagine it, it's likely going to happen because this is not a world where we have, you know, a few thousand people, you know, on the net. I mean, basically everybody's on the internet. You're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, uh, yeah. growing. So if it can be imagined, it will happen. And it's really worth looking downfield and planning appropriately uh, to, uh, you know, address what might come up. Even yeah, and you know one of my favorite Winston Churchill quotes, I'm sure I've used this before, it, it, isn't it? A, a lie is halfway around the world before the truth has got its trousers on. And that's well, definitely true on social media as well. <laughs> well said. All right. Well, I think we've exceeded our 10 for the Tech Law 10. So we're now going to close out Tech Law 10, our 101st edition. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris in San Francisco. Uh, my email address is ejsinrod at duanemorris.com. You can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and everywhere else. Jonathan, take it on home. Yeah, I'm uh, JP Armstrong at duanemorris.com. Yes, you can find us uh, across social media. Thanks particularly for those of you who uh, posted some nice comments on the 100th anniversary on uh, our LinkedIn pages as well. And we look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers.